Hey, this is Pastor Doug, and you have made it to our Christmas stories. We are going to be telling a different Christmas story every day of December up until Christmas. I love Christmas stories, and this is the best way I can think of to get into the Christmas spirit. Good to have you with us. Last time, Scrooge had just met his old partner, Marley, who is now a ghost. But Scrooge doesn't believe. Scrooge was not much in the habit of cracking jokes, nor did he feel in his heart by any means waggish then. The truth is that he tried to be smart as a means of distracting his own attention and keeping down his terror. For the specter's voice disturbed the very marrow in his bones. To sit staring at those fixed glazing eyes in silence for a moment would play, Scrooge felt, the very deuce with him. There was something very awful, too, in the specter's being provided with an infernal atmosphere of his own. Scrooge, Scrooge could not feel it himself, but this was clearly the case, for though the ghost sat perfectly motionless, his hair and skirts and tassels were still agitated as by the hot vapor from an oven. You, you see this toothpick, said Scrooge, returning quickly to the charge, for the reasons just assigned, and wishing, though it were only for a second, to divert the vision's stony gaze from himself. I do, replied the ghost. You are not looking at it, said Scrooge. But I see it, said the ghost, notwithstanding. Well, returned Scrooge, I have but to swallow this and be for the rest of my days persecuted by a legion of goblins, all my own creation. Humbug, I tell you, humbug. At this, the spirit raised a frightful cry and shook his chain with such a dismal and appalling noise that Scrooge held on tight to his chair to save himself from falling in a swoon. But how much greater was his horror when the phantom, taking off the bandage round his head, as if it were too warm to wear indoors, his lower jaw dropped down upon his breast. Scrooge fell upon his knees and clasped his hands before his face. Mercy, he said, dreadful apparition. Why do you trouble me? Man of the worldly mind, replied the ghost. Do you believe in me or not? I do, said Scrooge. I must. But why do spirits walk the earth, and why do they come to me? It is required of every man, the ghost returned, that the spirit within him should walk abroad among his fellow men and travel far and wide, and if that spirit goes not forth in life, it is condemned to do so after death. It is doomed to wander through the world. Oh, woe is me. And witness what it cannot share, but might have shared on earth. 
and turned to happiness. Again, the specter raised a cry and shook his chains and wrung his shadowy hands. You are fettered, said Scrooge, trembling. Tell me why. I wear the chains I forged in life, replied the ghost. I made it link by link and yard by yard. I girded it on of my own free will, and of my own free will I wore it. Is its pattern strange to you? Scrooge trembled more and more. Or would you know, pursued the ghost, the weight and length of the strong coil you bear yourself? It was full as heavy and as long as this seven Christmas eves ago. You have labored on it since. It is a ponderous chain. Glanced about him on the floor in the expectation of finding himself surrounded by some fifty or sixty fathoms of iron cable. But he could see nothing. Jacob, he said imploringly, Old Jacob Marley, tell me more. Speak comfort to me, Jacob. I have none to give, the ghost replied. It comes from Mother Regions, Ebenezer Scrooge, and is conveyed by other ministers to other kinds of men. Nor can I tell you what I would. A very little more is all permitted to me. I cannot rest. I cannot stay. I cannot linger anywhere. My spirit never walked beyond our counting house. Mark me. In life, my spirit never roved beyond the narrow limits of our money-changing hole, and weary journeys lie before me. It was a habit with Scrooge, whenever he became thoughtful, to put his hands in his breeches' pockets, pondering on what the ghost had said. He did so now, but without lifting up his eyes or getting off his knees. You must have been very slow about it, Jacob, Scrooge observed in a business-like manner, though with humility and deference. Slow, the ghost repeated. Seven years dead, mused Scrooge, and traveling all the time? The whole time, said the ghost. No rest. No peace, incessant torture of remorse. You travel fast, said Scrooge. On the wings of the wind, replied the ghost. You might have got over a great quantity of ground in seven years, said Scrooge. The ghost, on hearing this, set up another cry and clanked his chains so hideously in the dead silence of the night that the ward would have been justified in indicting it for a nuisance. No! Captive! Bound and double-ironed! cried the phantom. 
not to know that ages of incessant labor by immoral creatures for this earth must pass into eternity before the good of which it is susceptible is all developed, not to know that any Christian spirit working kindly in its little sphere, whatever it may be, will find its mortal life too short for its vast means of usefulness, not to know that no space of regret can make amends for one's life's opportunity misused, yet such was I, oh, such was I. But you are always a good man of business, Jacob, faltered Scrooge, who now began to apply this to himself. Business, cried the ghost, wringing his hands again. Mankind was my business. The common welfare was my business. Charity, mercy, forbearance, and benevolence were all my business. The dealings of my trade were but a drop of water in the comprehensive ocean of my business. He held up his chain at arm's length as if that were the cause of all his unavailing grief and flung it heavily upon the ground again. It was filled with phantoms, wandering hither and thither in restless haste and moaning as they went. Every one of them wore chains like Marley's ghost. Some few, they might be guilty governments, were linked together. None were free. Many had been personally known to Scrooge in their lives. He had been quite familiar with one old ghost in a white waistcoat with a monstrous iron safe attached to his ankle who cried piteously at being unable to assist a wretched woman with an infant whom he saw below upon a doorstep. The misery with them all was clearly that they sought to interfere for good in human matters and had lost the power forever. Whether these creatures faded into mist or mist enshrouded them, he could not tell. But they and their spirit voices faded together, and the night became as if it had been when he walked home. Scrooge closed the window and examined the door by which the ghost had entered. It was double locked as he had locked it with his own hands, and the bolts were undisturbed. He tried to say humbug, but stopped at the first syllable. And being from the emotion he had undergone, or the fatigues of the day, or his glimpse of the invisible world, or the dull conversation of the ghost, or the lateness of the hour, much in need of repose, went straight to bed without undressing, and fell asleep on the instant. And so ends chapter one of A Christmas Carol. Tomorrow, when you'll hear Scrooge say, Are you the spirit, sir, whose coming was foretold to me?
Okay, sweet dreams, and may your dreams be merry and 